is this idea of talking to yourself, the power that, that talking to yourself or having interior monologues has. And here I'm not, this is not necessarily exploding the film, but I'm thinking of James's experience in collaborating with you and doing this film. And, um, you know, he's basically talking, um, well, I gotta, please correct me, Johannes, but I got a sense that at the beginning of the film, it's edited so that there's a, you can hear both sides of the conversation. There's a dialogue back and forth. But towards the, to the latter parts of the film, it's just a monologue. It's just James talking into the, into, into the phone and you don't necessarily hear the other, the other part. Of it. So this sense of talking to yourself, this interior monologue, you're kind of like, you know, you're talking to your other voices, you know, to different voices that are, that are in your head. And um, this is a way to access consciousness. That's, some, that's, a, that's a thought that, that, that came to mind. And, uh, and talking to yourself in this way, in the way James was doing, where he's being recorded, he's going to be played back. He might even participate in the edit uh, later and, and you know, share with you possible scenes. It creates an intersubjective experience, but with yourself, with yourself. And this exercise, I wonder if for James, the, the exercise of making this, this film, you know, it has, a, it, create, it has a potential of, the film creates a sense of critical distance with yourself. And um, it can lead to generate a sense of be, better understanding of yourself better, to heal. So um, in this instance, the future is more like um, functions as a medium for this exchange that James is having with with himself uh, maybe in Kapansan he, he quotes Starobinsky uh, quite a lot if you uh, uh, got through that book at some time uh, so he says um, and I think one quote here is very relevant for what uh, what at least I try to achieve with uh, ethno science fiction uh, imagination allows us to distance ourselves, speculate, and in extension to deal with our real worlds. It anti uh, anticipates and previews views, serves action, draws before us the configuration of the realizable before it can be realized, and facilitates our practical domination over the real. So uh, it, it, uh, let's take that later. It's for me the. It, the, the, um, the ethno science fiction is a laboratory where you can try out your world and how to relate to the future and try out different versions of yourself. And this is also how, uh, how play stands in the center of that because that's what you do through play. So you, you, you test, the, test drive the different versions of yourself and, and, uh, and, and then ultimately, what comes out is is a consequence of of that those imaginary thoughts but also what happens around you of course uh and your background now if you look at at science fiction theory it's it's quite interesting if you just look at at some basic uh, theory on science fiction literature but also film friedman's introduction from 2000 he, he defines you know you have uh uh, what he calls cognitive estrangement. So estrangement refers to the creation of an alternative fictional world that by refusing to take our mundane environment for granted, implicitly or explicitly performs an estranging critical interrogation of the latter. So you actually, you use 
you use the science fiction to distance yourself from your world, but also to be able to deal with it critically. But you also have a, a more of a cognition uh, uh, that the critical character of the interrogation is guaranteed to, uh, by the operation of cognition, which enables the science fictional text to account rationally for its imagined world and for the connections as well as disconnections of the latter to our own empirical world. So it's always in a dialogue with our, you know, the, the perceived world. And uh, so this is what he thinks defines uh, um, uh, science fiction, that it both have this uh, estrangement and cognition, but he also means that fantasy, you know, like uh, Tolkien, for example, is more based on, on estrangement with, with, with less cognitive ties to, uh, to the real world. But this is, for me, the, the basics, the mechanics, the machinery of how we engage through science fiction with the real world to think critically about our world and also to come up with, with, with future strategies. And, and Weinger, he wrote early in 1924, he said, we make up systems of thoughts, models that we treat as if they correspond to actu uh, our actual real world, to deal with the uncertainty of it by establishing constructs that from a practical point of view are useful and necessary through theoretically their fault. So what he means is that, you know, even in all of these models that, that scientists comes up with, especially from this time when, when, when science was, was strictly positivist, you know, the, it was very little room for, uh, um, for the idea of <laughs> that actually imagination played a major part. Uh, it's uh, models, he means, is of course fictions, but, but by making the models, you know, for, for scientific experiments, this is also how we start to perceive our world, yeah? So if we think about molecules nowadays, that's, you know, <laughs> it's just how someone uh, came up with writing a model of them once upon a time. So, it, so it's, it's this constant as if, uh, uh, as if construction that we, we use also to build future strategies. And, and that's maybe what I'm interested in more in relation to climate change. So, so uh, what I write here, scientists are able to predict consequences of climate change in a long-term perspective with improved accuracy. So you have uncertainty, but also then imagination. It's, it's kind of a blank slate you, 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 you paint on. And, and, and uh, because you, you have no clue, yeah, besides what you see on, in fiction and television and what some scientists says. Uh, and then the, the projected improvisation because it is your colors or whatever you use uh, to, to, to paint on that blank canvas in relation to what you already know. So the imaginatives of the future scenarios are generated in the tensions between the personal imagination of the participants and the predictions of the scientists. So we have now increasingly, of course, when I started to write about this, we didn't know as much about what was going to happen. Uh, now we know basically that uh, uh, we, if we don't do anything within seven years, we, we're going to be pretty much fucked. 
sorry the expression, uh, but uh, I, I think there are much worse words to express it. Uh, so uh, it's it's actually clear and clearer. But think back a few years ago, we didn't have that time span at all uh, to think about. So imagination would play a much greater role in, in relation to, to, to climate change and how we would imagine it and what would happen. Uh, and, and that's what I was playing with. And also what's already been mentioned, I think when you were advertising this talk uh, in relation to, you know, the, the anxiety, climate change anxiety, a lot of people are, are feeling is based on that uncertainty and, and also the imagination, of course. Uh, you know, just think about what, what Greta has been <laughs> saying over the years. Her main uh, emotional argument is that we don't bloody care about uh, 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 future generations. And she's right. And we can't, can we use the imagination and the ethno science fiction to create a temporal proximity by imagining people in a future world, in our own place, uh, uh, going about doing what we are doing, but in an entirely new setting that we partly created for them, and create that link with the future and our lives to actually uh, uh, push us more into action, just like ethnographic films can make us uh, uh, be informed and also imagine people in other parts of the world that we would never, thi never think about otherwise. As I don't, I, I come from anthropology, as, as you know, so my knowledge of theater is, is super minimal, much less you know, the, te the te techniques of theater. But I wonder if you could elaborate more on this improvisational stuff that you keep going on about. <laughs> um, but in practical terms. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so can you, you, you said it, but I wonder if you could elaborate more what kind of prep, prompt, uh, limits or contours did you oh, offer okay. games? Oh, well, the, uh, how did yeah, that, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, how did that agreement uh, sort of uh, uh, pan out? Because uh, the script is spot on, right? I know it's edited, yeah. but, but I wonder how do you... So my, as a direct, how do you direct to improvise? How do you direct improvisation? Okay. I think that's my question. Yeah. So uh, the, the idea of, of, so projective improvisation mm -hmm. uh, is it, it, not my own uh, phrase. It comes from Peter Louisus, who, who, who wrote about uh, uh, the ethnofictions of Jean Rouge. And, he, and I spoke to Louisus ba back in the days and he's passed away now, but he said, you know, I referred it to when I went to therapy. <laughs> it's it's this idea of making uh, the implicit explicit. You know, you 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 show parts of uh, uh, you can express parts of yourself, and I I I call it uh, expressive improvisation. So uh, you you can you can use improvisation in many different ways. You can use it as uh, you know to. Uh, to show is just like in a drama documentary, you show something that you wouldn't be able to show in any other way. You show the structure of an event, an historical event, for example. But I also think that the, the, that the power of the improvisation in ethnofiction is just this projective aspect that uh, in Jean Rouge's words, you would, uh, you would uh, do a cine provocation, you know, you would provoke mm -hmm. people 
and then you would uh, people would then act out their imagination in in relation to specific aspects of, of the environment, and then uh, you would. And I think that's uh, also what, what Jean Rouge invented as part of the document film was, of course, self-reflexivity. Anyone that watched Connect uh, the uh, knows that. But uh, it's also, I think that is more central than he made it, the reflexive part. That, so it's, it's, you know, provocation, imagination, which is the improvisation, mm -hmm the play, etc., and then the reflexivity. Yes, that's the wider framework. But you okay, are asking okay. specifically about how you start practically the improvisation. Yeah, how do and you I provoke? think mm. it's, it's about safety, first of all, trust. So it's just like any other interview. No one will tell you a shit that, that is of importance if they don't feel that they, they can trust you or feel comfortable with you in, in a way. So. And, you know, even if they don't really trust you, it's just to feel, create that ambient. And I think that's how journalists work, for example. Obviously, no one trusts a journalist, but, uh, but uh, you, you create that illusion as a journalist. As an anthropologist, it's of course that our entire profession is dedicated to be a professional friend or professional stranger, which is a very strange position. And you, you so you build up the trust during a long period of time. And so without that, it's very difficult to play. If you, you can't, uh, you can't play without pleasure and you can't have pleasure if you don't feel safe. So I would feel that's the main thing. So. It's like mm -hmm. spending time with people. It's just like field work. You spend time with people and, you know, then you can start to play.